You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast your ultimate answer for fandom geekiness and everything as always i am your host nathan and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season four of black lightning but before we do that let's meet our cast for this week so starting off hailing from the satellite of love it's your friend and mine mr mike nelson how are you doing mike i'm doing good brother how are you i'm doing all right so uh so yeah how uh you know what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the show Oh man, it's been, it's just been nothing but work. Just nothing but work. Uh, barely play video games, barely read comics. Oh, I, I, I rephrase myself. I, I'm reading this new manga called Record of Ragnarok that Netflix released an anime for. And everyone who's a fan of this manga absolutely hates Netflix and absolutely hates the anime because mm. <laughs> apparently they phoned in the animation and it doesn't look anything like the book. So that old chestnut. Okay. Fans being upset about an adaptation? Say it ain't so, Mike. No! I say it ain't so. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. So things are really hot at work right now, huh? Yeah. As IT director, man, just lots of projects going on and really forgetting that I'm supposed to have free time. I'm pretty sure after this project, I'm going to have to put some vacation in. I think my boss is going to force me to take a vacation. Oh, okay. So this is all, this is all self, this is done to you, like you do this to yourself. It's not like your boss is telling you like, you no, know, work longer hours or take, anything. He, he told me to have the office take a half day today. And he was like, that includes you. You need to leave at one, go home and take the rest of the day off. I want you to kick back and relax and enjoy the half day that you had today. I'm like, fine. Wow, Mike. I came home begrudgingly. You really do want to be a VP, don't you? <laughs> uh, I'm a company man, Nathan. I'm a company yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, come on. You've got a girlfriend now and everything. You know, you need to you need to spend more time at home. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> you give me stairs now. Yeah, you're right, right, right. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back on the show, Mike. It's good to be back, man. All right. Well, next up is a new face for the 42 cast or a new voice, I should say, for the 42 <laughs> cast. He's someone that I met uh, doing a panel for the American sci-fi and fantasy media track at Dragon Con. We talked about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that is my friend, Tom. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good. I'm uh, getting the effects of the hurricane that's hitting the Gulf Coast of Florida, but I live on the East Coast of Florida, so we're uh. just getting rain. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know those feeling or I know that same feeling because I lived in Florida for 10 years. So, well, I've been here for this is month 11 for me. So, oh, OK. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom? 
I am a college professor and a screenwriter. I teach communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. And you asked me what my what my core fandom was or? Yeah, your primary fandom, sure. My yeah. primary fandom. Well, I, I dabble in a bit of everything, but I would say that my gateway drugs to fandom were uh, Silver Age DC Comics and classic Star Trek. So. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, those are those are things that we like here. So that'll work. All right. So, uh, so yeah, it's good to have you on the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And so next up is something that uh, those who have been listening to the show for a while know that we call uh, five minute controversy. And what that is, is just a way for us to kind of loosen up before we talk about the topic and also give everyone sort of a window into how we feel about some bit of news that's going around in the geekosphere right now. And so what I wanted to talk about were Grant Morrison's comments about the uh, sort of authoritarian or you know, evil Superman, you know, like the, the sort of trope of if Lois Lane dies, you know, like Superman just loses it. And, um, you know, so there have been several articles about this and he's basically said, look, my parents died and I didn't turn evil. So why should Superman turn evil if Lois Lane dies? So I'm uh, I'm curious how you guys feel about this, uh, you know, this comment. So um, let's start with you on this one, Tom. You know, I'm not a huge Grant Morrison fan, but I have a lot of friends who are huge anti-Grant Morrison <laughs> people. So it's like, you know, considering the incoherent messes that he's given us over the year, with a, over the years, with occasional good stories, who cares what he thinks? <laughs> I mean, All-Star Superman was good. Mm -hmm. Whatever the final crisis was, not good. <laughs> so... Right. And face it, Grant Morrison, you're not from another planet with powers to rule over that would enable you to rule over mankind. So it's a fair question to ask. Sometimes it's done well, mm. like in the uh, the season, the series finale of Superman Animated. Sometimes it's done poorly, like almost every other time that people do it. <laughs> I, I think it's just right. an easy go-to. Uh, the way that. Um, Superman and Lois is approaching it is very methodical. They've been doing the long game. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys have been watching the show, but it's one of the, it's probably the best CW superhero show on right now because it's avoiding the tropes and traps of the, of the typical CW superhero shows. Right. And uh, I hope they can sustain the quality past season one, you know, into a, a very viable, uh, run. Yeah, no, I'm hoping the same thing with that. But uh, all right, so Mike, what do you think about Grant Morrison's comments? Like, I don't know who this dude is. I'm just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> he's a writer. For he writes a lot of. He's written a lot of DC comics. Look, what do you expect to do with one of the biggest superheroes that also is one of the blandest superheroes? We get the the most the iconic Boy Scout that he is. He has nothing else to him. He has no, nothing else. He's a superhero, he's an alien with super strength, superhero, super everything. Like the epitome of an OP character. And what are you gonna do? Yeah, you're gonna obviously make him evil. And I, this is also coming from me who is a big, big fan of Tom Taylor and of the Injustice series. Like the Injustice series actually got me back into picking up all those books. Like I had to read everything. 
and everything here is like, yeah, you know, uh, I lost my, lost my mom and my dad didn't turn here. Like, yeah, you didn't because you also didn't have Elon Musk money. <laughs> All right, you know, I mean, come on. Like, uh, that was that reading that sentence was almost as annoying as just reading everything else he had to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, well, yeah, on, see, 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 here, yeah, here's my take on this. All right. So, yes, first <laughs> of all, we're comparing apples and oranges when he talks about his parents dying, because unless his parents died in a situation where it was criminals like murdering them it's a different thing than the whole low because usually when the, it's the lowest dies trope it's because someone killed lois and then we're talking about superman who's already taken on this mantle of i'm the person that fights crime you know worldwide you know like i take care of problems going a bit darker on it and being like okay well these criminals have now killed somebody that i love and and now you know i'm going to have you know uh, take a harsher stance on that but so 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 there's this situationally it's a it's a different thing but you also have to consider who superman is if you want to treat him like a character instead of as a symbol because there are a lot of people who want superman to just be like a set of traits right like he's incorruptible as a trait well that's not a character then that just becomes like you've created an icon right if Superman is a character, he has motivations, right? He has things that cause him to behave the way that he does. And when you think about the fact that he is a man who does try his hardest, you know, in the classical interpretation of not hurting anyone, always trying to do good, but he has all this power, you have to think about how restrained he has to be. We all get angry from time to time. But Superman, if Superman got angry and acted on his anger, he would kill people. He would literally kill people from just the, you know, the smallest little thing. He has to be restrained even in his day-to-day -day life, even when he isn't angry, when he shakes somebody's hand. He has to think about that, about not applying any, you know, like almost no pressure to him on that handshake or he would crush the person's hand. So then you think about, okay, now you have hit him with something that's a huge emotional turmoil. You know, would he crack? Possibly because he is someone who has been bottling his emotions for so long just so that he can behave the way that he does. So I don't find it as like strange or, you know, like off the wall as what Grant Morrison is saying. I think that, like I say, he drew like a sort of false comparison there between himself. And, you know, it, it's more about, yeah, can it be done poorly? Sure. And can it be done just for the shock factor, you know, and rather than from a character standpoint? Sure. But I think that there's there's ways that you can look at this and there's ways that you can sort of show it in a way that is interesting. I mean, Tom brought up Superman, the animated series that did a really good job with it. Also, even I would argue in the one with the alternate universe where they saw Superman who had gone darker. Also, that was a pretty good episode um, that they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Justice Lords. No, no, I'm talking about in actually Superman, the animated series where Lois goes into the alternate universe where she had been killed by inner gang right. and Superman has like the lightning bolt instead of the S on his costume and, and is, uh, is, is like basically fighting crime, you know, by like just straight up murdering people or, you know, and he and Lex are partnered. Uh, that, you know, that was, uh, that was an interesting take, I thought. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I think Grant Morrison's just trying to get attention or something with that. Yeah, so. I mean, even his new, I mean, his new, he's really just out there promoting his new book, Superman mm -hmm. and the Authority, which he's going to the same trope of Superman in this authoritarian role, but he's still Superman. He's still the Boy Scout at heart, and he's just taking a more softer approach. 
cool deal. Let me know when you figure out that you always you need to stick with it too. Huh? You're gonna need that stick. <laughs> also, I want to make sure I make this known as well. This me talking about this is also not justification that I like Zack Snyder's Man of Steel or Superman approach. I still hate it, even if it's something different, but it's still atrocious and Zack Snyder should not do DC comics anymore. Okay. <laughs> and some of us like Zack Snyder, so. <laughs> I, I, I will say, okay, this is the only thing I'm gonna say, and by, because, you know, I did an episode on the Snyder Cut. Yeah. I will say, I was surprised by how good it was based on what I had seen from him previously. And that's that's what I'm going to say about the Snyder Cut is is it was uh, it was worth watching. In my opinion. <laughs> and Mike's making a face at me. I will respect this I will respect the world right now. We've talked enough about Grant Morrison and, and the Snyder Cut somehow snuck in here. <laughs> you know you know what's funny, Mike? The funniest part is that we have been talking about Zack Snyder like since the first episode of this show, like over four years ago. Like it's become like, you know, the thing of like, oh God, Zack Snyder, like, you know, this is going to be another BVS. And then we started talking about Justice League and it's just like, it, I, I'm kind of sick of talking about Snyder now. I, I don't want to do it anymore because I feel like with the Snyder cut, we've kind of like come all the way around full circle and it's done now. <laughs> yes, he did his four hour vision is now here. Let's go ahead and move on with the world now. <laughs> and, 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 right. and, and Warners can continue making mediocre inconsistently you know sometimes good mostly bad dc movies yeah nobody's gonna argue with that they they don't have an analog for kevin feige and that's the biggest problem that dc has is they need the guy with the overall vision yep. so but uh all right so yeah we we, we talked about this enough but all right we're on uh we're on the same page uh with this one um which is funny because on Facebook, most of the comments that I've seen have been people in support of what Grant Morrison was saying. So uh, kind of an interesting little microcosm we got here. But uh, all right. But before we talk about uh, Black Lightning season four, we're going to cut for a promo uh, from another fine podcast. There are a lot of great podcasts that review Doctor Who episodes in order. The Earth Station Who podcast is not one of them. Just like the Doctor, we never know where or when we'll end up, but we'll have a lot of fun talking about it. From Classic Who to New Series and Big Finish, join the Earth Station Who crew wherever fine podcasts are found. Earth Station Who is a founding member of the ESO Network. Welcome to Doctor Geek's Laboratory. Doctor Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, um, we are going to talk about Black Lightning season four. And Tom, since you weren't with us when we talked about the first three seasons, just uh, curious for your thoughts, uh, uh, just as an overview, like before you came into season four, like what were, how do you feel about Black Lightning in the, in the previous few seasons? 
Oh, a couple of things. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Jordan Calloway, who plays Painkiller, is a former student of mine. So I am, <laughs> I am predisposed to like Black Lightning. But for the most part, the first three seasons, Black Lightning was my favorite CW superhero mm. show because it was actually about something mm -hmm. and it made sense. I, um, they weren't perfect. You know, some guest actors were better than other guest actors. I really wish they had brought in another, I thought they over relied on Tobias a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you're familiar with, especially the original run of Black Lightning's comics, he was the first big villain and nemesis for Jefferson, but there were others. And the fact that he was always there, almost always, you know, Agent Odell obviously did drive the action especially in season three mm -hmm. um, at dragon <laughs> dragon con 2019, the last in-person dragon con, uh, there was a black lightning panel. I did not get to host it, but I did attend and Mrs. Black lightning, Christine Adams was kind enough to, uh, to peer pressure Jordan into inviting me to, for a set visit. So I did get to visit the set oh, and nice. got to meet, uh, got to meet Bill Duke, who's, you know, one of my favorite actors. And uh, the operation they had was pretty impressive. I mean, two sound stages in in um, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. The, the Pierce household completely recreated inside. At limited exteriors, there's a real house that they could shoot at. But mm. it was a really cool operation. And I'm kind of bummed that uh, the Painkiller spinoff didn't move forward because I thought the pilot showed potential. Oops, I'm getting ahead of myself. Right? Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. And uh, but yeah, no, that's awesome. And yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned Bill Duke because I had the pleasure of speaking with friend of the show, Bill Duke, uh, just uh, just a little bit ago, before uh, like a few weeks ago, uh, as of this recording. And uh, and that was really awesome because you know like he's he's been in so many things like going back you know forty something I mean I mean really fifty something years but just in my memory forty something years you know uh, of stuff so yeah it was really cool uh, talking with him and Odell like. In the previous seasons, uh, James, who was supposed to be on the show today, and Mike and I have talked about Odell and just how great of a character that that is and, you know, how well he played that character. So, yeah, it was it was really exciting talking to him and, and sort of talking to him about playing Agent Odell. Um, you know, it was really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's talk about season four here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, similar to you, Tom, I was i mean black lightning was my favorite cw show for those first three seasons and you know i loved the portrayal of the superhero dad i like that he was an older superhero i like that he was coming back you know into it but i like the fact that he also had a family because that's something we don't see that much i mean you know the incredibles you know obviously and in comics of course it's been done but on television movies we don't see a lot of that and so it was nice to have that sort of you know thing and me as a father with two daughters. I like seeing Jefferson Pierce oh. with his two daughters and you know, everything. And, and, you know, it's something that I can relate to as an older person, whereas superheroes tend to skew younger, um, you know, especially generally on the CW, right. Especially on the CW. And so again, I, I like the sort of family aspect though. Like you say, it's about something, you know, like there are a lot of topical issues brought up within black lightning, you know, from the very beginning, um, you know, uh, everything from police brutality. And when Supergirl tried to handle them, it's like, no, honey, you're, you're not, this isn't that show. 
Don't, right. Don't, don't do that. Yes. Stay in your lane. Yes. Um, but yeah, so season four, and I'm also very sympathetic to the issues that they had to deal with with season four because, um, you know, obviously COVID was a huge deal, you know, changed how they were going to do everything. Um, China and McLean wanted out so that they had to write around that. So suddenly that was a big change that they were thrown. And from what I understand, what I have heard is that Chris Williams also said that he wanted this to be the last season. And so even though they had actually planned for a fifth season, they had to rewrite, you know, around the fact that this has to be the last season now. So they're kind of in the 11th hour, scrambling to take care of COVID restrictions, writing out Jennifer, and then making this the final season. So there was a lot that they had to deal with I had read that Cress really wanted to be back in LA. Right. Because the thing about most, most CD, I don't think any of the CW shows shoot in LA. Most of them shoot in Vancouver and Black Lightning shoots in Atlanta. But that's tough when you've got family, you know, Cress has a wife and kid. So, you know, it's, it's hard on families to not be shooting where your family is. No, no. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, that's why when Supergirl switched from CBS to the CW that uh, Calista Flockhart wanted out was because she was in L.A. when they were doing it on CBS. But once it switched to the CW, they moved the production to Vancouver and she was like, I'm not going to move. Boy, did the show suffer without her, too. I, I don't think I don't think they ever quite recovered because she added some gravitas to it and. Mm -hmm just uh, i agree i think the first season of supergirl was the best season and i don't think that they ever recovered either um but uh but yeah let's not get on the supergirl but i'm just yeah. saying that i mean yeah that's that's the issue is that you know a lot of people are saying like oh the cw canceled black lightning and no i mean it wasn't their decision it was basically like you had your star wanting it you had one of your stars who was already getting out you know china only came back because it was the last episode and so it was like okay well i'll, I'll come back to the last one and you've got your other, your main star, the title character, you know, who who wants to move back to LA. And so then it's kind of like, well, at this point we can't continue the show. And, and so that's why they were, you know, kind of going with, uh, with the painkiller. It was really interesting too, seeing, I saw a video of China on social media. I can't remember if it was, it might've been YouTube, but she did a video for fans basically telling them that she was only going to be in a small number of episodes this season mm -hmm. and this is before the season this is i think before the season started which i'm like ooh. yeah it was on instagram it might have she might have cross posted it to youtube but uh yeah it's, it was definitely on instagram because i saw her make that post mm -hmm. yeah um but yes we've finally been joined by james <laughs> <laughs> made it <laughs> James, who is taking a nap, apparently. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so James, how you been doing? Good, good. Yeah, uh, survived uh, the heat wave we had over here in the Pacific Northwest. Are you in Seattle? Uh, so I'm two hours north of Seattle. You're in Canada. Almost, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, I live in this little town, like ten minutes from the border. So, um, but yeah. Like, uh, we got some crazy heat out here. Um, I mean, we don't have the, uh, the humidity index of like so many other places. Like I've been in Pittsburgh in the summer 
uh, and I was there for like a week and it was like 85 degrees, but it was like 90% humidity. And I was like, cool. I just live in sweat. This is what I do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're getting the heat wave now in Wisconsin. So. Oh, uh, okay. You're yeah. in Wisconsin, Nathan? Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so we've just been, ta- I mean, we just barely started talking about season four uh black lightning we, we spent a little bit of time talking about grant morrison's superman comments but uh but we'll skip that for you james <laughs> <laughs> it somehow became a Zack snyder discussion and i was like all right we're moving on that's how but, it always devolves right. <laughs> so yeah what do you think about the season overall james the season overall um so i mean there were there were like it because once again we had the issue of they didn't get to finish out the season because of the pandemic. Mm. So we get this weird little like jump of what were the final episodes of what? No, actually black lightning did finish because it was a short season. It it was deliberate. Yeah. Like that was the ending the way it was supposed to end. It was the only one that wasn't cut short because of the pandemic last year. Okay. Um, I think the one thing uh, overall, I really miss agent Odell. I I just, he was such a perfect kind of evil. Um, And so I, I was, I I wanted so much more of him, but I don't know. It was the, the season overall was like off and on for me. I felt like there were some really great moments that just like any other season of black, black lightnings uh, written where like they've written issues um that have a semblance to like what's happening in our current society and everything um and emphasizing those messages like uh, i love every single time that they've done those episodes and they've really uh put a strong target there for people to see and kind of relate to um but then there were like other moments that i just i don't know it just felt really off from the overall tonality that the show has had um and then I look back and I look at like season one, season two writing. And then I look at like season three, season four writing. And it's definitely changed. Like, I, I feel like they got a lot more driven towards like, let's really just try to focus mostly on that heroic aspect of things, which I think this show does a great job in general, just the general design of the Jefferson family, which is, you know, how do we, how do we have the normal ideals of, of, a, of a family but at the same time, we're heroes, but we're all people with different points of view about specific societal issues and things going on in our own backyard. So, again, I felt like they nailed those points really well, but there were certain like comic booky things that I just, I don't know, they felt a little disjointed and a little odd. Um, overall, I mean, I enjoyed the season, um, but it definitely didn't hit as hard as previous seasons. I don't feel like it was strong season to go out on unfortunately yeah i mean we talked before you came in about the things that they were fighting against because they were fighting against covid restrictions they they you know china and mclean you know uh wanted out and so they had to write around that and then you know crest williams you know their star wanted to move back to la and so that they this suddenly became the final season when it wasn't intended to be so there were a lot of things that they had to sort of write around in this season i think that did affect things um but yeah i I'll agree with you whereas i always felt the show felt more grounded than anything else the cw did this year felt like we're going full comic book on the show to you know and and i felt like they lost a lot of like the more grounded elements that were one of the things that really drew me to the show was that it was like yeah we're gonna do superheroes 
but this is a world that's very reflective of the world we see outside our windows every day and i and i do think that that it, it wasn't as strong for me either but um but mike what do you what did you think about season four overall well as a child of divorce uh it definitely hit. Uh, it hit me a little bit seeing the, the struggle on the family dynamic between Jefferson and Lynn. And then, of course, uh, just trickling down to the kids. And I, and trust me, I actually like just finished the last two episodes today because uh, the weekend got away from me. But uh, so it's all really fresh in my mind. Right. Uh, but I mean, I still enjoyed it. It's, and I will agree with the sentiment that it definitely went very comic book, like to the T of a typical CW Arrowverse comic uh, book TV show. This was definitely the season of that. Um, and I guess it was because just how the, how he just wanted to go in that direction, which was not bad, but I still was definitely there for more of the family dynamic. And that all got kind of cleared up. And at the same time, and then it just, flip-flopped into everybody yelling at each other and i'm on the outside looking it's like oh my god lynn why are you yelling at jefferson like this for 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 this like like you're emotional i get it everything's wrong oh god uh it's a biased whale oh that guy <laughs> Woo! <laughs> loved it loved every single second he was on the screen just that he just stole every scene like i know we miss odell and i miss odell odell mm. stole every scene Tobias Well stole everything from me every time he came on screen. I'm like, all right, what you got, Whitey? What you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say, I mean, uh, if nothing else comes out of this show, it is that uh, Marvin Jones um, is 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 a fantastic actor, and like he again, like super charismatic. You know, I've compared him to Vince D'Onofrio's Kingpin, and I think that that is a, a still an accurate comparison of just yes. like the villain who really brings the presence. You know, you can't look away from him when he's on the screen, and also brings the physical you know, just the imposing stature of someone who, you, you know, is, is completely unafraid of anything. And you can see like, you know, he ripped out painkillers spine in season two. And, oh. and, you know, I thought about that and I was like, you know, everybody was scared of the Kingpin after he bashed the guy's head in the door in daredevil. But it's like, he never ripped anyone's spine out that we saw. That was so. on Netflix, yeah. not network television. Yep. It's like, oh my God. So, yeah, oh man, yeah, he's he is a fantastic villain. But, you know, I but to Tom's point, you know, about how they, they concentrated him on him as the villain to the exclusion of everything else, I was really expecting to see Gravedigger back. Because Wayne Brady killed it last year with Gravedigger. And I thought for sure Gravedigger would show up because still it's not like the perfect world for metas that he was trying to build. So it's like I thought that he would be part of the mix of this season of, you know, what's going on and trying to make sure that like metas, you know, get their due and everything. And, and he wasn't there at all. So I was a little disappointed about that because he, he was also fantastic. Again, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, James and Mike, we talked about that. None of us were expecting Wayne Brady to be as amazing as he was as Gravedigger. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he auditioned for Black Lightning for to be the character Black Lightning. He didn't get it. 
But we gave him, we gave him Grave Digger. <laughs> he nailed it. I want him to do whatever Wayne Brady wants to do. Just do what you want to do, Brian. Just do it. <laughs> Grave Digger was amazing. Soon to be uh, recurring on the good fight on Paramount Plus. Uh, but Tom, so we talked about you know before season three, and you you know talked about you know the that uh, you were disappointed about Painkiller, you know pilot not getting picked up. But what do you feel about how do you feel about season four overall? Um, just w- one of the things that Mike mentioned, and a, a buddy of mine from college asked me about this. I really wish they hadn't leaned so heavily into Jefferson and Leonard always fighting. It's like yes. the entire series. And that's what really felt CW. It's mm-hmm. like they have no reason to fight except for the script says they must fight because come on. It's one of the strengths of the show. I think that you brought up Nathan earlier is we have a black superhero family and you know the parents are technically not married but but back together but they're struggling to get back together and they're just erecting all these artificial boundaries to keep them from being together i mean there's so many natural boundaries that they could use i i I just that felt a little sloppy and a little that felt very cw Mm. that people aren't talking with each other and sharing information therefore they're at odds and so that was disappointing. And I wish they had brought, um, I actually, when we didn't see Jordan for the first few episodes, I texted him. It's like, dude, <laughs> where you at? <laughs> and, and he told me, oh, no, you know, once, once the backdoor pilot number seven appears, then I'll be with the show. But I wish they had found a way to have him around because he brings something else to the, what they did with, I mean, we could have a whole side discussion on the pain colored backdoor pilot, but just what the character's struggling with, I would have really liked to have seen him with uh, the new, with JJ, Mm because I don't think we ever really got that. And uh, by the way, when JJ first appeared, I'm like, whoa, you know, the, the notion that, oh, you want off the show? Oh, we'll give you off the show and recast your butt too. <laughs> so yeah. I got to give them, you know, that took some brass cojones to do that because I'm sure that China's fans were not happy with that. Well, I mean, it was her decision to get off the show though. So, I mean, it's like, it's not like they forced her out and then recast her. It's like she wanted out. So, I mean, I don't feel, feel like anyone's got a leg to stand on being upset with that because, you know, that was her decision. But it was still pretty ballsy, though. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And yeah, I mean, you brought up something that I wanted to talk about, which, which is I felt like after we've had season after season of Jefferson and Lynn having issues that we were coming into season four with them in a good place. And then we start the first episode, you know, episode. And it's like they're they're like not talking to each other. You know, Jefferson is and, and I get. I get the fact that they were trying to show that his best friend died and he was in huge amounts of grief over that. And and people don't act rationally necessarily when they're in grief and, and they can do things that are, you know, destructive and everything else. I felt that was a disservice to his character that, he, you know, like he could still have grief without going to that place 
you know, he's going to like underground fight clubs and stuff and beating up people. And it just, it felt surreal or something like, it didn't feel like this was Jefferson Pierce that I was watching. It was just like, they were artificially just making stuff happen just so that they could have the scene of them discovering him at the fight club, you know, the video feed and being like, how dare you, you know? But it's just like, I wanted their family to finally be together, you know, Tobias is still a problem. He's going to inject lots of drama, you know, and that's fine. Their family should be like solid by now because of all the stuff they've been through together up to this point. And so, yeah, that, that kind of hurt in the beginning of the season. It started me off with really bad feelings about the season because I felt like we didn't need that drama. Wasn't that a recycled arrow plot line too? Oh God. <laughs> That's every arrow plot line. <laughs> we are through, mother. <laughs> or or the the consequential like like hey, we don't lie to each other anymore, okay? We're all going to be open with each other and we're going to yeah. talk cuz we're a team and then immediately start lying to each other like 2 hours <laughs> later. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's supernatural. You just talked about supernatural. Supernatural <laughs> podcast. <laughs> all right well let's let's talk about painkiller because you know we brought him up several times now and that you know was the thing is okay black lightning was going to end but they're going to do this painkiller you know spinoff you know or at least get the the pilot out there and see if people you know see if it takes um you know so first off i'm just going to start off saying um another one of the takeaways of this show is just how good Jordan Calloway is and and I'm not saying that just because Tom's here and actually knows him you know <laughs> like like you know in the first season I didn't I didn't feel that strongly but by the second season like you know I, I felt like wow he is a really interesting you know uh actor he's a very interesting character that they're depicting because we saw that because conf- in the first season it seemed kind of tropish Okay, he was an athlete, he got hurt, now he's going to be bad because the guy helped him out, and when he tells him to do bad things, he's going to feel loyal to him, and, you know, uh, you know. But second season is where I really started gravitating toward it, and last season, when they did the whole thing of his humanity had been completely suppressed, and then his reaction when he came out, and I was like, wow! And, and the physical transformation, how much he worked out for that part and like how built he was, like the physicality of the character was really impressive. And of course that's, you know, coming into season four, same thing. We're dealing with those same kind of issues. And like Tom, I, I agree. I wish that we had had more interaction with the Pierces instead of it's like painkillers over here, you know, we'll let him see Anissa but nobody else and you know everybody else is over here and never the twain we'll just have some video chats with him you know throughout the season and that's pretty much it (laughs) seemed seemed awkward i mean it's probably a covid thing where they were trying to keep people separated and in bubbles you know like he's in this bubble over here and they're in this bubble over here but it's still kind of like you know it felt like a lot of opportunities were missed but i'm kind of curious what you guys thought about just the painkiller pilot Let's start with you this time, Mike. What do you think about that episode? It was a little rough to it was a little rough to swallow because here we are with Anissa and uh, and apologies, like all of a sudden her name just escapes me. Her Grace. her wife. Grace, Grace, that's right, Grace. Her and Grace in this futuristic looking Tesla autopiloting itself into this futuristic Las Vegas looking thing. I am literally taking away like, where are we right now? Is this- <laughs> 
in I, know, I asked, is this, is this Wakanda? Like, because that's yeah. what it felt like. It was like somewhere with like tech, like 200 years ahead of us in the future. I'm like, where are they? <laughs> it absolutely is. Like, there's holograms and everything. And I'm looking at this city. Now I'm remembering what Freeland looks like. I'm like, is this like Atlanta versus like anything else in Cobb County? Like, what's, what is this? The other thing I said was that it was San Francisco. <laughs> but besides the setting uh seeing khalil again was was cool seeing him actually battle literally his inner demon with how the the imagery of it with him talking to himself the voice change was a little something i had to get used to but seeing his his nerdy tech team uh, nerdy tech guy and then his big medical doctor that looks like a pacifist but he can kick some ass if he needs to um of course seeing that kind of trope i'm actually was a little okay for it. like you know i'm i looked at him like you know what i've trusted black lightning all this long painkiller went through numerous of khalil has gone through so much over the past three years with this character you, you know what screw it let's go ahead and just give him let me see 13 episodes and see what we can do with, with painkiller, mm. especially seeing Odell. He's like, hi daddy. I'm like, oh, what? Beth can vouch for it. When we were watching that episode and right as we're getting up to that last scene where we're seeing the, the, the woman, you know, she's walking up. I'm like, oh God, Odell is her dad. Like it just hit me. Like it was like, this is, and then like she makes the call and then it's like, and then it's Odell on the other side. They're like, oh my God, that was right. <laughs> oh man. But yes, I love that. I love that he, you know, turned out it was Odell all along. I swear. <laughs> Bill Duke needs work. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. They merged the, the, the show's universes together in Crisis. Odell doesn't have to be limited to Black Lightning. Like, he could show up on another CW show. I mean, I'm sure nobody's going to do that, but it would be great to see, like, Odell just pops up and, like, you know, like, uh, in Smallville suddenly. He's just there. <laughs> You know? Superman's like, wait, I didn't hear him. Like, how did he just come? You know, like he's just in the room with them. You know, look, I'm just saying, just saying, it worked for Nick Fury. Yeah, just saying. Let me tell you about the Justice Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all right, um, Tom, what do you think about the uh, uh, painkiller uh, pilot episode? I thought I had lots of potential. The whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing was really fascinating because in that, you know, they didn't get to talk to each other. And so seeing the two personalities, you know, try to reason with each other or negotiate with each other, which was kind of interesting. I wish they hadn't credited Bill Duke at the top of show because I kept waiting for him to show up. Mm. And so... Of course, you knew it's going to show up. I wish they had done the, you know, give them the credit after the show's over to keep it more of a su surprise. But I thought the supporting cast was interesting. The fact that they kept using the tech dude for a couple of episodes mm -hmm. later on was kind of fun. I thought the, um, you know, the, the fact that our villain was so much like Odell, except for, you know, it, it, it wasn't a huge surprise that she was the daughter. Mm -hmm. But, you know... I thought the most far-fetched thing was that they're in this, you know, futuristic city, you know, Wakanda mixed with Madripoor or whatever. 
So, uh, and I'd read something about that. I think it was an interview with uh, Salim Akil talking about this city that they're in. So they never really established where it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, no, I kind of, I kind of wish it had gotten, I, I wish we had at least gotten 13 episodes. Once they picked up Naomi, I kind of figured, I know how CW thinks. It's like, well, we've got our black superhero show. Mm-hmm. We don't need a second one. <laughs> well, so. and Batwoman, you know, now has transitioned to a, a black female yeah. lead as, as Batwoman. So again, yeah, it's like, I think, I think like you do that they do feel like they've sort of ticked some boxes and like, they're like, we've got enough, you know? so yeah it's it's not a good thing that they did that but you know i think that that is what that they do um but yeah I, it was weird to me with that location because it's like is that supposed to be somewhere in the united states is that a foreign country like we got no context at all for where this is we never get told where it's supposed to be um james what do you think about the painkiller pilot um i was i was interested um in the potential for sure um my first thought unfortunately was yeah like as everybody else has mentioned the city and my brain went wow the cw went really all out for 90s era cgi like they (laughs) they really gave them a budget didn't they um because i was like i was like my my wife came home from lunch and i was just like wasting time because i had nothing to do for work and so i'm like watching this episode and she goes are you watching like some weird nineties movie? And I went, no, this is actually from black lightning, the current season. It's really weird. Um, it's an episode yeah. of Mantis. <laughs> right. So I was like, <laughs> Oh man, but I did, I did like, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, they did like kind of a weird thing with the plot to, to get Khalil involved, which I thought was kind of funny. Cause yeah, it was just like, you have these two people, who one is a hero, the other has spent a great portion of her life being like poked, prodded and studied and all this other kind of stuff. And so she's like, I have no interest in dealing with weird people. And then suddenly some odd dude just shows up and he's just like photo. And they're like, hey, buddy, uh, you know, maybe consider your flash. I'm like, that's that's their concern. That's not that some strange white guy just took a picture of them for no reason. so it was a it was an interesting way to get to that um i do like though the emphasis that like once grace wakes up and comes to that it was just like nobody really needed to come get grace grace could definitely like take care of herself in the situation um i did like the back and forth as discussed with khalil the conversation with himself uh essentially with painkiller the the note from painkiller that the fact that this prime directive is stuck inside of him is actually painful for him as a software entity like this is a painful thing because i can't kill the pierces and i need to kill the pierces you don't understand um so just the fact that like both of them come to that acknowledgement towards the end of like, we have to work together. We both want to live and we can't live without each other, but we can't live like we are. We have to work together to figure this out. Um, and then, yeah, just the more they leaned into that, the more we saw painkiller in, in other episodes. Um, by the time they had shown me all of the painkiller, I was ready. I was like, I, w- I want that show. 
I want that show. This dynamic is so different from your, like, I mean, he's got the standard CW hero crew, right? He's got his Mm -hmm. tech guy and he's got his medic guy and he's good. So as long as you've got those, you can, you can be a CW hero show. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just, I just thought it was more interesting in like, there's almost like a spy sense of things. Um, all the work that the actor put into it. I mean, he did a fantastic job with a a lot of the choreography work and everything. There were a lot of shots I was seeing that I wasn't seeing what looked like a stunt actor. It looked like him doing a lot of that work, um, which was great. Uh, Yeah, great shape. Like, good job, man. You put in the work. You got cut. I'm jealous. I'll never look like that in my (laughs) life. Um, But it just like he really committed to this character, you know, back from season three. And I appreciate that he still was so committed to like um, where they were taking that story. And I'm, I'm sad that we won't get to see where that story arc goes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from in that I think Jordan's performance is so good that he deserved the 13 episodes just on that. I also share the concerns about the location, just because when you come from Black Lightning, where everything is so grounded, you know, and then go to now we're going to go to like, we're like in Buck Rogers land over here with Khalil. I was worried about what kind of stories they were going to tell in that environment and how that was going to like have the same sort of hard in Cause I felt like Khalil could just be in another city, like basically Freeland 2.0, if they wanted to separate him from the Pierces, you know, obviously, cause they have to explain, you know, why he doesn't, you know, ever interact with them or whatever. And I would have liked just painkiller in a different city, you know, just trying to do good you know, while he also has this thing in his head that like makes him like keeps telling him like, you know, things would be a lot easier if you just killed everybody, you know? And those arguments were so great and, and, you know, that we got in the season. Um, But, uh, but yeah, that, 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 that location, it still kind of bothers me. But the fact that Odell would have been involved, you know, already intrigued me because I was like, okay, well, we know some interesting stuff's going to go down uh, if Odell is, is involved. So yeah, I mean, again, I, I wish they wouldn't do this because the same thing with the uh, green arrow and the canaries, you know, I wanted to see that show after they intrigued me with, you know, all this stuff. And then it was just like, nah, we're not going to bring it serious. You know, that's right. That's fine. So anyway. Um, all right. So let's talk about the other, you know, big switch up this season, which was, and, I, and I'm going to, I don't want to bungle her name, but it's Laura Kriliuk, I think, um, who, who took over for China and, uh, McLean uh, as Jennifer Pierce. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious, you know, how people felt about, you know, her performance and, and what she brought uh, to the role for Jennifer. So let's start with you this time, Tom, what do you think about um, Laura's performance? I thought it was interesting. I, I thought it was gutsy, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. but I thought the, um, it's kind of interesting that we spend so much time that first episode plus establishing that this is indeed Jennifer only to be told in the finale psych no it's not (laughs) yeah that's back to the writing problems you know where it's just like I think they were just making it up as they went along because they had kept on having to rewrite so much that it was just like and now she was the true Jennifer and now she's not (laughs) so but it was interesting um once she started getting close to that classmate, it's like, oh, you're like Khalil 2.0. You so doomed. 
<laughs> so again, the tropes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, it, it, in many respects, it added a breath of fresh air. I was surprised that they didn't do more with TC's unrequited crush on on JJ. Yeah, it was another one of those really strange things when we came from season three to season four, because I was surprised that, you know, because Geoforce, whose real name escapes me at the moment, but, you know, he was the one that was kind of crushing on Jennifer last season. And I was surprised he wasn't even there at all in season four. Um, And then, yeah, we have TC and he's, you know, he's kind of there and and he's kind of now the, I'm your friend, but I also kind of like you and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they didn't do anything with that other than like, kind of like the looks and, and, you know, how he was behaving and everything. But, uh, but yeah, again, I don't know if it was just because they had to scale things down because of COVID. And so they just asked certain characters not to come back or if it was, they always planned it that way. I don't know, but it did seem weird not to have, um, uh, geoforce in the season at all after he was so big in season three um but uh but yeah mike what do you think about um laura coming in and, and playing uh jj so and, and remember that i basically binged this whole thing mm-hmm. not knowing anything behind the scenes so finding out that china wanted to leave i'm like oh oh i guess that's what they wanted to do and that's actually what i thought is that they did this change and like did she want to leave or is this i guess this is the thing she just want to leave okay we're just gonna go um super tall uh i will give the writers credit that if we're going to change out an actor i guess that's how we're going to do it on the on the molecular level (laughs) and then yeah watching the final episode today where here comes china again i'm like are you kidding me we just got rid of you I'm I'm comfortable with this. Like now, all of a sudden, she's an alien living in the ionosphere. I'm like, okay, we went way off the books here just to bring Jennifer back for some closure that none of us asked for. Well, I was talking with my wife about this. Part of the problem with this season, part of the things that kind of leave me with bad feeling is it feels like we came full circle on several different things. And that was one of them. Like we made no progress on Jennifer's character because basically she's gone for most of the season and even the changes we thought were happening kind of get reset by the original Jennifer coming back at the end. You know, the stuff with, with Lynn and Jefferson's relationship, we were finally at a good place with them. Then we start the season in a bad place and now we come full circle back to them being in a good place again. It's like, I, you know, <laughs> there are definitely some things that happened this season, but a lot of things just felt like, they were just treading water. We weren't really getting anywhere with anybody. And and, and it's just, uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> but, I was totally uh, fine with, with JJ being lightning and the whole Lopez thing coming to fruition. It's like, cool. Jennifer literally didn't have to deal with any, with barely any of that. And it's all resolved. It's closure. She comes back. It's like, why? For fan service, for the fans. Cool. And to God, I didn't like jennifer to begin with as a character i well and that's why i was kind of curious about how you felt about laura because i remember that you know you was talking about this last season is that neither you nor james really cared for jennifer and i was wondering if you felt better about the character you know when laura took over the character i i still i still felt the jennifer there the the, what uh what china brought I, i still felt it but it was also held back a lot like the irresponsibility that Jennifer had, JJ held back a bit 
but didn't go full on gin, you know? So I, I'm not sure how or if that was the direction that she wanted to go to really, as Laura just wanted to prove herself that she could do this role differently. Uh, but the, the irresponsibility that we saw from Jennifer was not here in JJ. And that was a good breath of fresh air. The Khalil 2.0 getting shot was absolutely gut-wrenching. And, and just like on the first, just like when it happened to Khalil, it was like it was still heart-wrenching, it was terrible. And we all know, like, the original Jen definitely would have just immediately gone to go handle business. But this one listened to the family, actually held back. It's like, okay, you're doing good here. We're doing good. We're doing good. Yep. All right, James, what do you think about all that with JJ and, and Laura coming in and playing the part? Um, so in, in complete transparency, I stopped watching the show at the point that that happened uh, mm. because like, not because I was like, Oh, I give up on it. I was like, I'm going to have to take a break away from the, the person that was playing the character to like reset my brain a little bit. Cause it's just jarring as a viewer when um, you know, we, like we are all the type who know how to use the technology well enough to find out when, you know, there's like casting changes and things like that. But like your average viewer, they don't. And so it's really a jarring experience. And even when I do know, I'm like, Oh, it's so weird to get used to. So I actually took a break from the show um, and then I picked it back up. I think, I think her interpretation of Jennifer, she did succeed in making it her own while also making it feel familiar to the character. Um, as said, yeah, I'm not, my problem with Jennifer is the same problem I have with the way that they write the relationship between um, Lynn and Jefferson. Like it's, it's, we always come back to the same stupid, like, like this child does not learn ever. Not at all. Like somebody gives her advice and they're like, Hey, don't do that because it's dangerous. And she's like, yeah, but the fork fits in the socket. So why <laughs> would you not put it in there? And they're like, but it's bad. So stop doing that. And she's like, no, but I'm going to do it anyways. So, and we just never get out of that trope with her. Like, this is a girl who she's been in high school and she's been in high school for a few years. And I know every single one of us at some point of our lives around the high school years, we were a jerk to our parents. We smarted back because we thought we knew everything. And either the smarts got slapped into us or something else. But like this kid, no, it's like there, there's, it's, it's always the same trope. Um, and so I, I like the fact that, yeah, as said, this character got away from that a little bit. We got like an improved Jennifer, like suddenly she could listen. She could follow instructions. I was like, the character learns she's redeemable. And then, yeah, no, it's just like the big cop out at the end. It's just like, nope, not real Jen. And it was just like, cool. So we're stuck with the same irresponsible. I make my own choices. You do. You guys can't tell me anything. Oh, but why? Right. <laughs> so. oh. So, yeah, I just, uh, I, but I thought what she offered was satisfactory. I mean, it can't be easy for any actor or actress to suddenly step into the shoes of an established character on a show and be like, 
I'm this character now. So um, I think she did well with what she had. Well, I- I'm going to say, and this is the thing that I want to bring up about, about her performance specifically. I thought she did a fantastic job emulating the mannerisms of China and McLean. Like I was watching her and I was like the looks, the way that she would say things like she was really like acting her brains out, trying to just be like the mannerisms, the mannerisms of, of the character. And so I was like, yeah, it's like, even though she doesn't look a thing like her, like she is doing this bang up job of selling i am the same person you know and i thought that that was really good and i mean yeah like the explanation like how we went into we have the molecular rearranger we got from star labs because we're going to reference you know that we're in a larger universe one time um, you know, and, and and when we put her back together, but it didn't put it back her back together right, and you know, like all that stuff was dumb. And then the oh, but actually, she's really a crazy alien being, and here's the real Jennifer. All that was dumb. But I thought the actress did this fantastic job as as you know as playing like this is Jennifer just in a different body. And so yeah, I I, I think that it'll be interesting to see her career as she goes on because like I say, I, I think they did a really great job in casting her uh and her being able to basically be a chameleon and and basically do Jennifer Pierce in a similar way, you know, knowing that she was only gonna have like six episodes. You know, it's like you can't like really take the character that far in a new direction, you know, because you did that would be super jarring. It's already somewhat jarring because you look different. Um, And so, yeah, it's uh, I I thought she was she was really good. Um, But uh, but yeah, let's talk about a little bit of the plot here, Um, because here's the thing. And here's here's the other (laughs) I feel like I'm ragging on this episode. There were some great things this season, but I definitely didn't feel as good about it as I did previous seasons. I, other than Tobias wanted revenge on Jefferson and his family, I do not get Tobias's plan at all. And part of the problem is I don't think they really explained to us who that weird cabal of people that he was communicating with, with the box, really were, why they thought it was so important that he become mayor of, of Freeland, and why that was important. And I don't know if I missed something. I don't know if you guys are going to be like, oh, no, Nathan, this is what you this is what you missed. Because that, to me, was the part that really hurt with just even, like, trying to understand the season. What's <laughs> this like? Other than that he wants revenge, I don't get his plan. And now, granted, the things he was doing, like buying up the house and all of that, like the ways that he was thinking of just, like, twisting the knife in Jefferson – really great really well done well thought out on the writer's parts of just how how like nasty can whale get to just emotionally wreck jefferson good that overall plot and then the whole magic thing of oh yeah when we fought gravedigger it like made like unobtainium throughout the whole city and all of that was just like what? so so guys help me out here like like <laughs> mike was since you binged it did I miss something like watching this? Was, did it all make sense or, or am I right that this, that this like overall plot didn't like hang together? The, the shadow board, cause I, I had to look it up as well. The shadow board was actually mentioned back in season one. Oh, wow. It, uh, because that's actually the group that lady Eve was part of. 
But see, I would have liked if Lady Eve actually showed up. Yeah, right? <laughs> that would have been someone I would have recognized and been like, you know, they mentioned her at one because her underling was there, you know, fighting Lala. But uh, but yeah, okay, oh, okay. So yeah, but, so that was the thing. It's like the Shadow Boy was like mentioned back in season one with Lady Eve when her introduction, and so that was Tobias's real goal here in this season was to get the power of the metas and and we all knew that he wanted to be king he wanted to rule freeland he just wanted to be that leader and bringing in the shadow board that yeah like i even i was like who are these cats and then seeing that he needed to be mayor that was a requirement for them being able to control the metas that's another requirement and then he'd be able to be part of this big shadow cabal that runs basically the world and it's like oh well, that kind of leadership. Oh, yeah, he's definitely wanting to figure that. And I can tell you right now, the white dude with the poncho on, that would, that as soon as he started talking, I'm like, Tobias is going to kill that man. He's like, just close the box. Just close the box. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, here's the thing, though. I hate every time they bring up, like, there's some sinister shadowy cabal that, like, rules over the world that we don't know about. But yet it's so easy to take them out. Like, it's like somehow, you know, Tobias is able to get somebody into their rooms, wherever they are with their boxes. And if these guys are really so rich and powerful and everything, how are they not able to keep Tobias's people? I don't know. I just, Arrow did the same thing. Like, I think it was season six where they introduced like this group of like, they control all crime throughout the world. And like, like Ricardo Diaz, like, the lamest villain they did on Arrow is <laughs> just able oh to like take God. them all out and just like take their like their territories. It's like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So at least they were mentioned before. But yeah, James, did you fall into that same trap of of like like because even now, okay, so they wanted. And I get that whale wants power, but. Did you get why, like, was this so important for, you know, like, to be part of this shadow group and, you know, everything? Like, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it got mentioned, I never really noticed or paid that much attention to it. Like, mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it just kind of felt a little out of left field. And I was like, I don't, uh, like, it felt to me like some sort of plot line somebody had thought about before they knew they were not getting another season mm -hmm. and so they had put in there but then they did know and so there's other episodes where it's clear they probably knew <laughs> that was the case so yeah it just falls in this really weird space where you're like but i don't well, that's the thing, because, you know, Black Lightning had gotten up to like 16 episodes a season in previous years, and this one was only 13. I started wondering, did they think they were going to get 16, and then they were cut down to 13, and they were like, oh, well, there goes like all the episodes that explain what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just write this like any Heroes episode after season one. We'll just <laughs> do that. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah so tom i saw you shaking your head so yeah you were just as confused as i was by who these people were and everything right it was like hey are we watching an avengers movie flashback or <laughs> by the way that shadowy cabal cost uh avengers dod participation because they're like department of defense is like who are these people where are they from 
And if you can't ex explain, we're not gonna let you play with our toys. And they didn't. Um, one of my problems with what they did with Tobias or rather what they didn't do with Tobias is he seems so under-motivated. And the thing is the actor could have handled it. But one of the things that fascinates me about it and especially as, you know, as an albino African-American is he has such loathing for many typical African-Americans and they never really tap into the psychology of that. It's just kind of like the thing he does, but I wish they had just gone a little bit deeper because we know he's a bad, you know, mofo, but give us some reasons why he's so bad because he just seemed undernourished and undermotivated. Mm. And your hero can only be as heroic as your villain is villainous. And I just thought that the character deserved better. Um, there's uh, arguably the best Lex Luthor story, one of the best Lex Luthor stories ever is a backup feature. It's like in Superman's second series number nine where Lex goes to this diner in the middle of nowhere and tells the waitress, um, I will give you a million dollars to pack up and, you know, pack up everything you have and come with me. You have 10 minutes. And then the last panel is him driving off and Mercy's like, hey, boss, you almost waited the full 10 minutes that time. <laughs> because it tells you Lex Luthor is evil because he likes to screw with people. Mm -hmm. Tobias is evil because why? You know, Although what he did to Lala was pretty freaking cool. Yes, yes. That, yeah, that, that was freezing like, Lala and carbonite almost. That was, yeah, seriously, seriously. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just I, I just think it was a missed opportunity, especially considering that they were going to use him as the, as the heavy for all four seasons. You wanted to get him. I have friends who really just can't stand the character, but you've got to go deeper instead of surfacy and they just never did the character justice or the acting. Yeah, I mean, cause th there were there were times when he would sort of oh, refer to how he was kind of mistreated for being an albino, you know, cause he looks white, you know, like, but he is, he is actually an African-American and like he was not treated well by his own community. They've kind of hinted at that and, and said like a couple lines about it, but not, they never really went deep into it and you know, what was going on and everything, you know, like I think it's when he and his sister pay their dad a visit, I think is where we get the most. And that's back in season one. So yeah, like we did not, get a lot of background for him and exactly i mean and that is one of the one of the things i mean the show basically drops you in with jefferson and tobias having both had like a long history and we don't get a lot really on either of them we get a couple flashbacks you know we see like when lynn was like really upset with him being you know black lightning years ago and him coming home and all that but we don't get a whole lot of the backstory of what was going on in all those years it just since we're with Jefferson more often, we get a better feel for him as a character, I think, than we do for Tobias, who, uh, yeah, a lot of his yeah, motivations. It's been four are... years, and I keep forgetting that he has a sister, Sister Tori. Mm -hmm. And even during that church scene that he was like, you know, that's kind of like her grave, her memorial. He's like, I love you, Tori. I'm like, I have a sister. I don't love her that much. <laughs> Well, that's one of the sisters. things I don't love them that much. 
But at the same time, my sister wasn't killed by a superhero, so I don't know. <laughs> well, they kind of hinted that their relationship might be a little stronger than a normal brother and sister relationship. Like <laughs> they, they've kind of like gone into like it might be a little skeezy there. So yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I think he does feel stronger about her than most people do about their siblings. I mean, I would definitely kill a superhero for my sister, so I, I will say that. So <laughs> I, I understand his motivation. Even though I definitely it was because I'm the villain, it's my fault she actually died. But well, I'm going to take the blame. I think not. Right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was even disappointed in Gamby this season. Not that I might. I like the fact that he actually, you know, like got some yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was trying to be a little uh, i was trying to like think of like a better way of putting it but yeah i'm glad that he got some because i do <laughs> i do love gamby i did meet james remar uh at dragon con in 2019 uh you know i met chris williams too um but uh um jordan wasn't at his table whenever i was around so i never got to meet him unfortunately yeah because tom had him that's why <laughs> <laughs> i came down the last day so i could uh he gave me a ride to his folks' house for dinner. So, um, oh. speaking of Gamby, the thing with Gamby and his his once in future s- squeeze, yeah, utterly predictable. Yeah, I mean, no nuance, no surprises whatsoever, except for she doesn't turn out to be totally evil and forgives them, and they're probably still shagging. Um, but I just thought that was so by. This season was such a mixed bag. The good episodes are really good, and the bad episodes are like leftovers from Arrow. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I was going to bring up. Is it's like he wasn't allowed to do like interesting stuff this season. Like, like I say, I like the fact that he found somebody because his whole life can't. Like, he raised Jefferson. Jefferson's doing well right now, dude. Like, have your own life now. It's okay. Like, you can still be part of their life and be part of their family. Get you a woman. <laughs> right, exactly. Or at so. least a dog. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean like so it was nice that they that they kind of gave gamby like a life beyond the pierces but it still was kind of like like you said it was predictable he was still it, re- it was still really revolved around what was going on with the pierces because of who she was and what her job was and so yeah again it's kind of like you know when i first started this show it was you know tobias and it was Gamby were the two characters that I was really fascinated by. Cause you know, in the beginning, Gamby is like amazing. Like, like, you know, like he can, he's this super spy, you know, with that, that, that pretends to be a tailor and, you know, that's already giving me DS nine flashbacks, but you know, it's, <laughs> but, but he's so cool. And, and it's like, so I really loved his character. And, you know, like, as I say, as things went on, you know, we have Odell who also started fascinating me, a really cool character. We got uh painkiller, Khalil really cool character you know as his you know path progressed and you know there are other and and I always loved Jefferson even though in the you know again like it's one of those things that's like I tend to gravitate more towards minor characters in any show but um but you know like again I like Jefferson as the dad you know figure and as a superhero but you know Gamby like it's like they like they don't know what to do with Gamby after a certain point And it's like, oh, we'll have him like create this new headquarters for everybody because we're going to blow our budget on that. And it's like, okay, new headquarters. 
and now he's going to like basically swindle his girlfriend and you know lie to her and everything and okay but like he was doing more interesting spy stuff in the first few seasons and now it's like you're giving him like really really dumbed down plots you know i, I don't know i i just i i didn't care for it well that sanctum got upgraded thanks to arrow i will say that <laughs> his tripped over to the other multiverse is like man this is a good lair <laughs> A good sanctum. Right. <laughs> I have no idea why they changed that. Like, why they decided that was the time to spend the money. I I, I just don't know. I mean, I guess if Gamby wasn't going to go back to being a tailor, there was no reason it had to be under the tailor shop. But, you know, the only they could only afford that set because they had spent so much of their budget on that CGI <laughs> sequence for Painkiller. <laughs> like, they, had, they just went too far. So that's all they could afford for that set piece. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so yeah i mean all right so we we have the ending you know the last episode you know how did you feel about you know how you know the the show resolved um so james let's start with you uh, i don't know it felt it felt very like brady bunch kind of cheesy for me where it was just like suddenly like lynn and jefferson have just resolved all of their issues everything they're good they're happy so happy that they want to get married again and i'm like i've just watched four years of you guys mostly kind of despising each other at any given turn for any given reason um and we're just like no we're good we've been in therapy for a while we fixed it uh and by for a while like six months but we fixed it um uh, so I'm like, so there's that i don't know it just it just i I don't want to say there should have been some sort of tragedy, but also I kind of felt like there should be some kind of tragedy. Um, it wouldn't have been a complete loss to me. It, like it almost would have felt more grounded to reality because the Jefferson family always just happened to come out. They happen to turn out and everything's a okay. Um, there's not really ever like what seems like real consequences um, and so I kind of would have wanted to see, so I almost wanted to see something like that where maybe things hadn't worked out for, you know, Jen or, um, or one of them had become like severely injured to the point of like no longer being able to hero. Um, but yeah, it was just like, Jefferson's just like, nope, I'm going to finally retire. Cause I feel like you youngsters have it in a good way. And I was like, really? Like that's, that's it. Like years and years and years. Like I kind of sort of accidentally killed my arch nemesis. So I don't feel like I have anything else I can do now. So I'm just done. Yeah, I know. I, just, I turned to my wife and I was like, what about that whole Justice League chair you established last year where it's got the one with the big black lightning symbol on it? Like, should like even if you feel like, hey, kids, you guys can take you know, care of Freeland. I'm going, you know, over to this Hall of Justice and I'm going to be part of this now. Yeah, that would have felt better than just like, oh, I'm good now. I, I don't need to do this anymore. Right. Or like show a phone call with Barry Allen just so Jefferson being like, I don't really know you at all, but. <laughs> I, I'm retiring. So do with that what you will. Uh, 
yeah it was just i don't know it 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 was too sweet of a way for me to like wrap it all up in this nice little bow and it's just like see everybody had a happy ending and i'm like yeah you know my favorite part of all that is that jefferson does that whole thing where he fights tobias in tobias's office and and you know Tobias, you know he he didn't intend for it but tobias dies you know and he just leaves lala encased in that concrete yeah nobody nobody like, nobody gave a crap about lala like it was like whatever with that guy he just leaves it's like oh no that's fine it, it just it'll, it'll keep him out of trouble yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so mike what do you think of the last episode uh it was bittersweet to see tobias in i think tobias probably could have been ended a little differently I mean, we all know, like, from that, the whole episode was just about Jefferson, like, wanting to end it. And, of course, we all know Jefferson doesn't believe in killing, so that was just a happy accident. Even he didn't even, he was like, Jeff, like, bro, just stop. Just stop. And here comes uh, Tobias, literally just doing Bible scriptures, shooting randomly with his guns. And it's like, cool, just going to go ahead and just finish that, and I'm out. And yeah, he just leaves Lala, which I wasn't, uh, I, I don't remember even Jefferson recognizing that Lala was just carbonated on the side <laughs> of the wall over there. So I don't even think he recognized that what was going on was that whole thing. Uh, I'm just like, he had to have seen, I know he didn't react, but I'm like, he had to have seen him if he was in there. <laughs> I mean, there's no way you don't walk into a room and see what looks like a guy in a slab of cement on a wall. <laughs> right, and Jefferson knows that Lala comes back every time he's killed, so it's just like, hey man, you know, like, Lala's, you know, you've had a weird relationship with Lala, but Lala's helped you out before, so, you know, like, help help him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was that not your first question when you walked in and you saw and you saw your arch rival? You're just like, can we just take a minute and talk about that? Uh, but the episode was, especially watching it and then realizing that it was indeed the series finale. Like it could have gone out on a higher note, especially without OG Jin and. But seeing everybody, how they came together and all that stuff, but everything coming up to it with everything really putting their bullet points in that this is over, it's done. Uh, it was it was really just bittersweet. It, there definitely could have been some elevations with it. Again, my biggest thing is like the Tobias versus Black Light, and I really wanted more of that and probably a lot less of Jin versus JJ. Like that could have just like, let's just put that to the side, please. Because um, again, we didn't even need that, but uh yeah it was for me the the finale was just bittersweet like it really could have done a little bit higher with it but they had to fit in so much that i feel like it just got muddled yeah all right tom what do you think about the finale um before i get to the finale i do love the fight between uh painkiller and looker yes that was terrific ishmael that that was terrific. That was a callback to a previous season that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not as bloodthirsty as some people, James. <laughs> but um, but but I could see it didn't really seem like aside from killing Tobias, it didn't really seem like finale-ish. Mm-hmm. And they even changed the line. So he's 
he's going into quasi-retirement, but they left the door open because the Flash people have already contacted him about doing a guest spot this fall. You know, it was okay. It wasn't great. You know, series finales are hard to do well. It it just wasn't really memorable. Um, when, When he, you know, shocks Tobias out in his ledge and there just happens to be sharp pointy things that can impale him. That was very Emperor's new groove. Like, who put those out there? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. It was just, uh, it was a little disappointing. I kind of wanted it to go out with more of a a bang than a whimper. Yeah, so kind of where I'm coming in on this, like, first of all, you know, um, one of the things that upset me was, you know, remember when they recorded this, they didn't know if painkiller was going to be brought to series or not. The whole thing about we're going to have to delete all your memory that the Pierce's ever existed. I'm like, that would like that again is something that would have like upset me about painkiller as a show, because I think that's important to the character is leaving like the fact that he wants to be with Jen, but can't be with Jen. And that would have been an interesting thing to leave in instead of them just being like, nah, we're going to give you a reset, you know? And I was just kind of like, you know, like I, that would have bothered me about the painkiller show. It might not have been a deal breaker, but that would have bothered me about, I don't know why they did that because I think that that's taking away something interesting. Uh, But yeah, then we also have the fight with Tobias. And again, I felt like, after we've built Tobias up for four seasons, this guy's got plans within like he's not only ridiculously strong, he's got plans within plans within plans. And he's going to like just risk it all against somebody with lightning power. Like that's the whole reason he got a meta whose power is to nullify powers because he knows he can't stack up against a meta with lightning powers. Like, because that's just something he's he's not strong enough to handle. You know, and just like, I don't know, it felt, it felt anticlimactic. And then, like you say, for him to fall and like, just hit something pointy just so we can say, well, that's because to me, like a better ending would have been like to do what Odell was trying to do and just like put him in a prison cell and just throw away the key and have him, you know, with his extraordinarily long life just have to have life in prison or whatever that you know you, you get what i'm saying like that would have been like a better like punishment for him and and i i thought felt like that would have been more satisfying and i think they just wanted to make sure that they could wrap everything up and say he's not coming back because he's dead you know yeah um, killing off tobias well is like a very marvel move for, for for this show to do it's like come on he's still an epic character hmm. who didn't need to die you know he He's the guy that's always around, and he should always be around, even if it's a series finale. Throw him in a cell, lock away the key, and just shut the lights off as the camera's zooming back through the hallway, and you're shutting the lights off. Just literally epic. Just do that. We didn't have to kill him. I, I'm not a fan of killing Tobias Whale. So if the actor really ever hears this, he's like, yeah, I didn't deserve to die. <laughs> I'm on your side, buddy. I'm on your side. 
Yeah. And they're like most people are saying like the whole retirement thing also felt like because I think the reason they, why they did that is if like another show ever wants to use like Anissa or, you know, any of the, you know, they're like, oh, well, she's you know, like in Freeland, you know, we can just pull her in for an episode or whatever. But the funny thing is when The Flash wants to pull in guest star superheroes, they ask Jefferson, who's the one who's supposed to be retiring. <laughs> like, no, no, we want him, you know, <laughs> so it's still not it still doesn't feel right, like how they did that and again it's like but yeah it, it just felt weird because i'm like so he can't do good anymore because he defeated his main villain like and what was that whole like I, the thing is although i had fun watching crisis last year there are so many problems now with the fact that batwoman who was supposed to be one of the paragons is no longer the same person anymore jefferson's retiring so it's like they set up this whole thing of these are like the seven people that are going to form like the nucleus of our new justice league and then we like are like getting rid of them already before they can ever do another crossover where they have a justice league and it's like uh frustrated don't give um, us Justice League and just take it away from us. I'm going to be really upset. But I'm going to tell you guys the number one thing that bothered me this season. <laughs> and I know it's unique to me, but as much as much as I love Diggle, as much as I, I love Diggle, I've loved Diggle since he was first on Arrow. And since they've been building up the fact that he's really John Stewart and not John Diggle, you know, his stepfather's Stewart and everything else, That's he gets right. the green glowing yeah. thing, which is going to turn out to be the ring, right? That would make him, it would be really easy for them to establish that Lynn Stewart is his stepsister. And so I thought for sure with them doing this big Diggle push this year that he's going to show up on all the shows. I was like, he's going to show up in, in, you know, towards the end or whatever to visit his sister, you know, Lynn Stewart being his stepsister. So we're going to have Uncle John, you know, here in the, and no, no Uncle John. I was so disappointed, man. I thought for sure we were going to get Diggle in the season. <laughs> and I so ever since they started pushing that he's actually Jon Stewart, you know, and not, you know, I, I thought for sure that they were going to use that connection from the comics. And uh, and I, I was really kind of surprised. Today. Although somebody did point out to me because of the COVID travel restrictions, that might have just been the issue. Like maybe they would have if, if we weren't living in COVID, but going from Vancouver to Atlanta, like, you know, the border is not open, you know, and so that might have been a problem with them doing that. So maybe that's why that didn't happen. But I, I am bummed. I am bummed we did not get Diggle and Black Lightning. But uh, all right. <laughs> I got some looks. <laughs> you guys can't see this who are listening to this, but I got some funny looks. All right. Anyway. All right. So, uh, you know, we're getting a little bit long here, but I do want to give everybody an opportunity for you know, things, you know, what's something that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about, about the season. Um, so let's start with you on this one, Mike. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to mention? Positive, negative, something you just wanted to comment on? I remember now, uh, this was as those parents out there. Cause again, child of divorce, uh, seeing Jefferson and Lynn, argue so much and of course even hearing the therapist say like well you guys there's no intimacy because there's no trust and here we go and episodes later grace wakes up grace and anissa get married they don't tell the parents of course because you know how that's going to work out but we see them of course right right after it jen blows up disintegrates herself and she's now living in this pod 
Anissa comes home and Grace is there wanting to hear what happened, wanting to know what's going on. And this is just shutting it down. And Grace just absolutely unloading it. Like, look, you don't need this wall. I understand the wall. You give me this little corner in your place, in your place, not ours. Like, and I'm looking at this is like, mm, this is Jefferson and Lynn part two. The child learned the wrong things from the parent. Anissa, wake up. You're smarter than this. You're a doctor. Uh, that to me really spoke on the character for Anissa and even like seeing that all the pain that her parents are going through that she has seen that she's tried to help both of them out. She's copying the same thing by shutting grace out and grace don't deserve that grace has gone through enough being uh, being an orphan being a meta being a shapeshifter which by the way cool cat eyes and the mask thing very well done. Uh, but just seeing that, I really, that was a dynamic that really took me away from, especially that episode, just seeing Anissa copy her parents. It's like, wow, that's the character development. That's a character flaw that Grace is trying to open up. And I had to go look at my girlfriends like, hey, I'm always going to open up to you. <laughs> so thanks for that, Anissa and Grace, so for that learning lesson for my relationship. <laughs> Well, nice. It's always good, like when, like we can we can learn things from our media that we enjoy, and and you know, uh, and that kind of thing. It's uh, what Tolkien referred to as applicability. Um, you know, it's bad when the authors are heavy-handed and force you to try to like accept something. It's good when it's something that you just see when you're watching. Um, so, James, uh, what about you? Uh, anything from this season that you wanted to mention that we haven't talked about? Um, I mean, I don't know. Not really. Um, again, just, it was just weird writing, um, for stuff like quite literally the scene that caught me was when Gamby and his love interest slash honeypot was they're walking through the sewers looking for the irradiated mineral mm -hmm. and literally in one frame, she's like, I hate you. And I'm never talking to you again after we do this. And then in the next frame, he's like, I'm really happy to be down here with you. And she's like, me too. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, we're just like, literally not fine. We are not fine. And then two <laughs> seconds later, like, nah, we're perfectly good. Like, no worries. Like, I love you. Like, I was, I was, uh, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that it, it is, as Mike said, a bittersweet end because it's not the ending I feel like the show deserved, but it is the ending that it got. Mm hmm. Yeah, and especially when you hear like the fifth season, like they like they had a whole, like a whole arc plan, and the fifth season was going to be about how do you rebuild a community that's been devastated by like multiple problems and everything. It would have been kind of interesting to have that sort of positive like sort of outlook, you know, at the end of the show of here's how we come together and not just as superheroes, you know, we're going to like help in the ways that we can help because you know. We already know that Jefferson is the greatest principal of any school of all time, but right. it's like, <laughs> how do you do that more than just within, you know, the school and everything? So that would have been kind of nice. I mean, it's what Batwoman's trying to do right now with the whole idea of even when I don't have the suit on, you know, like we should be like establishing like a community center and, you know, doing stuff 
like that and so um you know it would have been it would have been interesting to see them go there and come out of that comic book thing again like because again i love comic books but the thing about black lightning was it was very grounded in the real world in the beginning and i really liked that like that worked for this show in a way like the flash when it, it, it's super comic booky that works for that show when it's written well <laughs> you know that, that, that they can go to those places you know like and, and that works really well and they can tell those kinds of stories but um tom uh what about you anything we haven't brought up yet that you would like to uh, talk about you know i was bummed last year when they killed henderson off in the finale mm-hmm. but i really kind of missed that character's presence this year because i did not like the subplot of the evil police chief mm-hmm out to get out to get lightning because she can't i mean she was just so one-dimensional and again another predictable storyline that just i missed so much of the supporting cast this year because we had we had the reverend you know, we had we had Henderson that, you know, obviously Henderson was killed off. I don't I think the Reverend just d- disappeared because I don't remember him being killed off last year. And so, you know, it's like all those characters who, again, were like sort of touchstones to the real world. And I know the actor for Henderson was very upset that they killed him off because he kind of took the Twitter last year, you know, after the, they played oh, the, yeah. the season finale and was kind of like, I've been told my services are no longer required. And it's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> like a little bitterness there. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that was really awful. Cause yes, the whole idea of them being best friends and the fact that he's sort of t- Jefferson's touchstone to the real world also of this is like the regular stuff and like them having to deal with him discovering that Jefferson was black lightning years later, but it was handled in a mature way. It wasn't handled in the CW. He was mad in the beginning, which makes sense. But at the same time, it wasn't something that dragged out for like a season of just like, we're through, we're not friends anymore. You know, (laughs) they didn't go to that place. (laughs) They treated it like they were two adults who, you know, one had to come clean to the other and it was great. Um, but uh but yeah so um i missed i missed all of that aspect of it because there were some great supporting characters before and and it just felt like they just pared it all down again it might have been a covid reaction whatever but it's just you know i i i did yeah i i missed that and like you say like the replacements we got this season like the the evil police chief and even uh, like the guy who was like henderson's friend he was like hey if i should ever die randomly you come in you know it's like that felt like really weird too like so you planned that if you died you had this other guy that you didn't tell jefferson about but you just told him like hey you should come to freeland and help out okay you know, I just, I just, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Um, and but, my uh, other burning question is: Do therapists of superheroes' wives have their own support group? Because <laughs> Lois's therapist on Superman and Lois, and Lynn has the same has a therapist on Black Lightning. So, I mean, do they do they get on Zoom? And it's like, girl, you wouldn't believe what. <laughs> Yeah. I can top that. <laughs> well, even on The Flash, like Barry and Iris saw a therapist for a little while too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just kind of treated like a joke, which I didn't appreciate. But she, yeah. she could be on the Zoom call too. Um, but uh, yeah, um, 
I think I think we mentioned all the things that I wanted to talk about, really, because I was going to bring up the supporting cast and and Tom brought it up, too. It just felt like we had this sort of rich city of Freeland. You know, we had stuff going on. I mean, because like even like at the school, like Jefferson, it looked like his back is principal, but we never really explained why is he like like did the other guy just quit, you know, like. I get that there was stuff when, when the, when, you know, the, the, um, the ASA, when they took over the town, like, you know, like they were, they were like pushing people around and they pushed around the old principal, but you know, the white, the white guy that took over from Jefferson as the principal, but they never said that he quit afterward or anything, but just suddenly like Jefferson's back in that position. And again, that's something I would have liked to have seen that as a development because people understand that Jefferson understands, you know, the school better or whatever, but not to have it just happened like between seasons and for there to be like no explanation of how that happened, you know, like that's again, like all the supporting stuff just went away. All the stuff that made the show feel like it takes place in a real city, which is kind of like CW's got so many comic booky shows. This was the one that gave us like a slice of life. Like, like if these people had superpowers, but it's a real town missed opportunity i think to just go full comic book on this show all right well guys i um i think i think that's because you know normally i would say what do we predict for next season but we don't have a next season so (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, oh i guess i guess one last thing that i would like so we know that jordan calloway would love to continue as painkiller but obviously they didn't give him the show would you like him to show up on Legends of Tomorrow as a new like knowing that that's going to be a huge tonal shift for the character to do that? But that is a show that does allow for them to like put in characters from other at other own, you know, Constantine, you know, has been on Legends, you know, the Wally West version of The Flash was on for a while, you know. So I mean, they they can you know, they can pull in characters from other shows. So would you like to see Painkiller on Legends? Let's let's start with you, Tom. I'd love to. Um, they're going to have vacancies next year because we, you know, very publicly, uh, Heat Wave is not coming back. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's really interesting. The Arrowverse is kind of reaching a crossroads because Flash is going into season eight and Legends is going into season seven. Supergirl is going off the air. Uh, so, but we've got this new wave of shows coming. You know, Stargirl is coming back for season two this, uh, I guess, next month. And then Naomi's debuting mid season next year. So, but they need to kind of figure out what is the Arrowverse, you know, post Arrow, well post Arrow going to be. And I hope the answer is we're not just going to rely on the same tired tropes that we've had before because those get old. And when you've got a show that was doing great until it starts appropriating those tropes for its final season, it's like, uh, what did you do to this show we used to love? Now we just kind of like, you know, we, we're hanging on to the memories of what worked great and lamenting that they didn't get it together for this, you know, for the final hurrah. Um, and Legends is, you know, I, I stopped watching Legends like a, just the reveal that Gary is an alien was just like, oh, come on, that's just weird. And it's, you know, and that's been the outlier of the, the shows, but it was fun. But it's like, when it becomes no longer fun, 
I can find other things to fill my dance card. Right. So. All right, James, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of in that same realm with Tom where, I mean, I still watch the show, but the show is getting tired and, and it feels like it's getting tired because they're just running, as said, the same tropes uh, that the legends have always ran. Uh, it's ridiculous. Nobody really dies because, you know, they find a way to break history just to get one person back kind of thing you know like they just but not snart never snart but never snart yeah never the best of them never (laughs) i was so Um, excited but yeah so it's just uh because i mean it was like i even like cringed a little bit when there was the potential they were going to add wally from the flash into legends and i was like no wally you're better than these guys you're so much better (laughs) than these guys um so yeah i was just like i i just don't think it would do i don't think it would do painkiller justice um because there's no way like they were able to kind of wrap up the storyline with john constantine but i mean they did have to take like a whole season or so to like really get that uh told i don't think they would do the same for painkiller in terms of establishing that because in, in a lot of honesty, it's if you think about it, they can travel anywhere in time. Future, past, doesn't matter. They can travel anywhere in time. So if they can do that, why not go to a future where he can find somebody that would be able to crack the software and just solve the painkiller problem altogether? Like, it just, it seems too easy. But yeah, I don't, I just don't think they could have done enough justice for the character to feel legitimate with the rest of them. Okay. And Mike, what do you think? Odell just needs to stay where he is. I would love to see Odell again, but I don't. I just can't see the realm of him going anywhere else. I mean, maybe Flash, uh, maybe as like a big bat or something. You mean just, Khalil? Uh, I'm sorry. We don't, I thought we were on Odell, not Khalil. No, I was saying, do you want Khalil to be on uh, um, Legends? Oh God, no! Oh God, no! <laughs> no! No! <laughs> Leg- like, I love legends. I really do. But that's like where side characters go to die. <laughs> like, I mean, I still want Captain Cold to come back, you know? <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, uh, God, Heat Wave is like freaking going away because he, because yeah. even the actors just, that's back, backstage politics. Mm. But like, no, no, Khalil, no, no. Just keep him. I- I'm sorry. I want to see more of Khalil, but. It definitely needs to be one of those that, like, if Jefferson travels to the, you know, no, everything's connected now. So Freeland is now part of the big, the main universe now. So Khalil showing up in, like, Flash or something, like, sure, go for it. Like, a little guest spot. But showing up in Legends, nah, that's where side character's going to (laughs) die. So, you know, here's the thing. Because there's, like, in my head, there's a version of Legends that they almost went in a direction that's different from what I feel like the show like took a decision at the end of the third season. And it's been kind of veering off into like, let's go like, like funny is good, but what about absurd? Let's do absurd. And like, it's just been like, like doubling down on absurd for like the last three seasons. And it's like, you get to a point where I, you know, I think everybody's kind of mentioned it. We're <laughs> like, 
it's so disconnected from anything like logic or anything like the Gary is actually an alien thing where it's just like, no, like, like you're so disconnected from anything that feels like an actual story. You're just basically like just writing whatever comes into your head and saying, well, people like it when we're zany and off the wall and just expecting it to land. And it doesn't work that way. Evo. Um, so so if if legends had because you know the first season of legends was problematic because it was too serious and dour and just no fun and no joy and they overcorrected way but there was like in the second and third seasons i felt like they were getting like a nice like middle road of we're still going to have some humor and some wacky stuff that happens but these are still really serious things there are real consequences to what we're doing and that's if the show could veer back to that i would very much like khalil there because like when they had wally i felt like that's when the show was at like like that point where like it was telling fairly good solid stories while still being fun but yeah, now they're they're getting so weird that yeah, I would not like Khalil to just be part of like whacking, you know, nonsense. You know, I, I want them to actually deal with Khalil and the problems that Khalil has and all of that and to really kind of you know to, to to have that as part of like what you know is, is the main plot of the show or you know that the, the, his character um you know to have those that baggage brought into it so okay, uh, okay. i think okay. it's the just, show just is hearing you talk about it more because now in my mind it's like now i just want khalil and sarah to meet because sarah league of assassins mm-hmm. quote unquote programs now i'm seeing the dynamic like fudge now actually that kind of makes sense now oh right no and i I think there is a way to spin this right but the show has to gravitate more back to that direction that they were in before and i don't know if they can do that if it's going to be like it is this season i would not like khalil to come back and yeah i'd rather a different show deal with him i'd still like to see him come back you know like i don't know what the justification would be but if you want it to be written well put him in superman and lois because <laughs> they actually have good writers over there. I don't know why Khalil would be in Smallville, but figure it out. You know? Why not? <laughs> right. I-, I blame the problems of Legends season one on the fact that they didn't have a real pilot. Yeah. They just had yeah. that pilot presentation with clips from Arrow and Flash. And that was a mistake. I mean, same thing with the, the, the last Muppet show. They didn't have a real pilot. And as a result, you know, a pilot is important. You've got to establish what the show is, what the narrative pattern of the show is, and then launch from there. So they could, you know, the the episode, I don't know if it was, I think it was the, didn't they have the final part of Crisis on Earth X when they killed Martin Stein? Yes. Because- That was, I knew he was leaving the show because he was going to do Hello, Dolly, but they were writing it so he's always leaving the show to take care of his kid. It's like, and then they Mm. killed him. It's like, whoa. But I think that was probably the last time they were really serious. Yeah. (laughs) Because since then, it's just been zany, wacky fun, which can work. But after a while, this, you know, they've just gone into Looney Tunes land. Yeah, because things lack consequence and it's just it, it is just like a series of silly events rather than there being like a real plot driving it or, or you know, anything that makes sense. And once you become disconnected, you can't feel the drama. You can laugh, 
but there's no longer any dramatic tension in the show and it's just kind of and and i hate some individual decisions like i hate zari 2.0 i don't know why they did that the original zari was a way better character and everything about that i just feel like it's just dumb but whatever Uh, (laughs) all right guys but yeah we've been talking about this for a while so i think it's time for us to say goodbye and let people know where they can find us online so um mike why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online uh see you later guys and oh at the same time i just want to take a shout thank you black lightning so much for even four years of just amazing writing amazing production just pillar of what storytelling and comic books actually mean you 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 actually even as a black man uh i didn't think i was going to be involved with it so much but holy crap it's just so good thank you guys so much for the storytelling you did uh and of course you can find me over on the twitter at this is trex t-rex and you can find me over on twitch.tv slash site for all your video game streaming needs all right and james why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you yeah uh as always thanks for having me on it's always a great pleasure to talk about this show it's been a fun ride um and i've enjoyed a lot of the things that it's educated for me um that maybe i don't know um or haven't ever considered perspectives on um so it's done a great job uh of course people can always follow me uh on facebook uh twitter instagram all of that stuff it's all at roman on the rocks all right and tom thanks for coming on the 42 cast for the first time Thanks for having me. I cannot believe they did not work in a Sinbad cameo because he played Black Lightning in that Death of Superman sketch on oh, back in the 90s. That is like my favorite like uh, like, like uh, SNL or one of my favorite SNL skits ever. Such a classic. Um, oh God, I love that. But uh, they were uh, Black Lightning came out right around the same time as uh, Black Panther. So we got to, you know, got a couple of Afrocentric superheroes at the same time. And uh, it was it was a nice relief that, you know, you had the white guy as their sidekick. Right. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BlurredPhD. All right. Well, Tom, Mike, and James, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So that's it. Probably for the last time ever talking about Black Lightning. I'm kind of bummed to see it go, but we'll just have to wait and see uh, what happens with the cast, what happens with the characters. They could show up in other places on the Arrowverse, and that'll just be that. So continue to watch this space, I guess. If you are interested, though, in learning some behind-the-scenes kind of stuff and following some of the cast and crew, there is a Facebook group. It's called Black Lightning The CW. It's run by a guy named Lance who seems to have an in with all the different shows that film in Atlanta for DC. So that includes things like even the HBO Max series like Titans and Doom Patrol, but also Stargirl, which is still ongoing on the CW. He says that he's not an employee of the CW or DC, but somehow he seems to know a lot of the cast and crew. He can get videos where he chats with them and various things like that. So I'm not sure what the connection is, but his Facebook groups, because he has one for all those shows, Stargirl, Doom Patrol, Titans, they're really good places to check out. So if you're interested in following more Black Lightning news to see if anything's going on or whatever, I mean, that Facebook group is still going. Not as much content as when the show was still going, but people are still posting there, so you can check that out. But I also want to know what you thought of this episode, so you can do that in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. 
another way is to go to our f- website at 42cast.com, or you can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts helps with searches, because the more reviews we get, the more our show will pop up in the searches. They'll kind of flag us towards the top, so definitely would appreciate more reviews so that we can get that. I also want to mention the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way you can support all the shows on the network by contributing if you have any extra funds that you can give. There are different tiers. They're all described on the webpage. Basically, you can get access to some early shows for some podcasts. You can get access to some exclusive shows for some podcasts. And you can get access to a whole exclusive podcast on the ESO Network. It's only available to Patreons at a certain tier. So check that out. Look at the different tiers. Anything you can give is appreciated. And so, yeah, just check that out. I also want to mention the two other shows that I'm involved with. One is Time Streams, which is where myself and my friend Juliet were going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning, reviewing the stories. You don't have to watch the episodes to understand our episode because we explain everything that happens. I know because Classic Who is sometimes hard to get a hold of here in America, that that can be a problem, which is why we're doing it in this format. But it, you certainly gain something. If you have access to the episodes, you watch them, and then you wa- listen to our episode, you certainly do gain a little something from that. So yeah, you can check that out. That's called Time Streams. The other one is Legendary Forces. That's where Juliet again, and myself, but also with Joe Heath, Ashley Pauls, and Korean Victek, we're going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning to now. Now, that's going to debut by the end of the summer. I've made that a commitment. We've recorded several episodes already. But yeah, what Legendary Forces is, we're just going through everything. The movies, the TV shows, the books, the comic books, the video games, the role-playing games. Basically, if it's Star Wars fiction, we're going to review it on the podcast. And it's not just a review, though, because we're going to discuss it in the context of the expanded understanding of Star Wars. And by doing that, we're going to talk about canon, non-canon, whether it matters, whether something's good enough quality that even if it isn't canon anymore, you should still check it out and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it's it's maybe a little bit of a deeper dive, but we're trying to make it sort of lighthearted and fun as well. So, yeah, just check that out. Legendary Forces. So normally I'd give my con update here. Uh, Like I said before, I'm particularly. I've participated in quite a few virtual Dragon Con panels uh, across the various different tracks, and so that's still going to happen. C2E2 is pretty much canceled at this point. Not feeling comfortable, and since it was already so close to Chicago TARDIS, I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, I'm not even going to try that one. Still tentatively planning on Chicago TARDIS. I may be the only one in my family who goes, and we're just going to have to wait and see how things look. I mean, obviously, if things get too bad, I'll have to cancel myself, but we did have our tickets from last year that we purchased roll over into this year, so unless they cancel the con again and roll over the tickets again, I kind of feel obligated to show up, even if I have to eat the cost on the tickets for the rest of my family, so we're just going to have to see how all that proceeds, and yeah, I'm just hoping that things get much better between now and the end of November that somehow we have a spike in vaccinations and all these new variants stop happening or something along those lines but we'll just have to see how that goes at this point 
But yeah, I think that's enough for the outro. Time to sign off for this week. Join us back next week when Scarlett Johansson will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.